Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl Sapphire and oh my goodness. Y'all, you are in for a treat today. As I keep saying, you know, being in quarantine this whole year, I've had some of the best guests in earplay history. And this guest in particular today slid not in the DMs, but slid in my email. Went old school. Okay? Reached out to moi and I was like Absolutely, especially when you have a podcast by the name of Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators. How could you say no to that? But everybody, welcome Jordan Denell, aka Jordan Denell on Instagram, also known as a physician assistant and also women's health educator by night. Jordan, thank you so much for taking some time out and joining me on the show today. Yes, I am so excited to chat with you about all kinds of things today. Yes, I mean, appropriately, I'm calling this episode today The V Get Down, because we are going to get down and dirty with The V. Um, I don't know about you, but I love, love my vagina. You know, I just, I don't know, like, I feel like more than ever, especially, you know, after a year of not really going out and being a freak except for with my primary partner because I am Polly um I've really learned to really like especially just over the years but more especially last year into this year I've really come into a different type of sexual relationship with myself um I'm more appreciative of my, my of my vagina more than ever um and especially being poly it's like I really cherish who I'm sharing it with and I don't know if you feel the same way or you've come across other women that feel the same way but it's like when you really step aside and take the time to focus on yourself and when people are talking about self-care I really take I really took advantage and I'm still taking advantage full throttle of really just paying attention to my wants my needs especially as I'm getting older I'm like I can't just be giving this out for free. You know, you have to earn it. I got to cherish it. Treat yourself to a new toy. Treat myself to new lube, different experiences, and just really get in tune with my sex with myself and my sex with others. So I I really just want to, you know, reach out to all the vulva owners out there today and just want them to really take this episode to heart and just you know, hopefully they can get something new out of it. Because for me, I'm like, pee power is important. We give life, damn it. We bleed, you know, we cramp. But there is just something sexy, something powerful about the vagina that I feel like a lot of us deprive ourselves of it. Yeah, I will say that 2020 has been was the same for me and that I did a lot of self-exploration and really learning more about what I wanted and desired and deserve and not giving this out for free either. Like you got to work. You want some of this? You work for it. Thank you. 
Thank you. I think it's just like, you know, here we are. We are in the times of swipe culture now more than ever because everybody wants to get back, you know, back in the groove of things. You know, we've heard it. Hot vac summer, you know, vaxxed and waxed. We've all heard it. You know, and I've definitely had a lot of earbuds come up to me and they're like, you know, I'm really scared to go back out there because now I've reclaimed my time. I've reclaimed. Someone even told me they're like, I reclaim my vagina. And I'm like, you know what? I understand where you're coming from. Because you may not have had the time before to masturbate. You probably never had the time to really like look at your vagina. I know there's, you could probably attest to it, that there are women still this day, you know, 30 on down that will not look or touch their vagina. It's like they pee and they're like, oh my God, I can't even just, no, I can't do it. And I look at them and I'm like, why are you scared of your own body? Why do you have to depend on someone else to give it pleasure? Why don't you pleasure yourself? Yeah, there's lots of women. I mean, all age groups who don't explore their bodies or are not familiar with their bodies. And that's really like where I come in. And one of the big things that I am working towards is helping women understand their bodies and discover their own bodies because there's so much power Mm -hmm. in knowing yourself. And with, with COVID and 2020 and everything, we had a lot more time to do some self-reflection and learn about ourselves as well during that time. And I think that a lot of everybody, women and men can relate to that, that they've had more time to learn about themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get more into you first and then we'll, you know, get into the V per se. But Jordan, what like inspired you to just one day say, you know what, I want to dig deep into this field. You know, I want to help women. I want to make them feel comfortable. Like at what turning point or what, you know, I know for me getting into radio, I knew I always wanted to do something in entertainment. And, you know, growing up, I came from a household that was very open about sex education, coming from a mom who was a pediatric nurse. Now she's in postpartum and yada, yada, yada. But what for you, it's very interesting to hear, you know, educators and like-minded folks of how they come involved into this world, because there's some people who lived in a very deprived household of sexual education. So what about for you? So that's a really good question. And it's kind of a long answer. But when I was growing up, I was the girl that all of my friends went to. They asked me their period questions, their condom questions, their STI questions, their birth control questions. We went to Planned Parenthood together to, you know, if they needed plan B, I was the girl going with them. And it started way back then. And then as I got older, I joined Pure Romance. Are you familiar with that? I am. I am. I know that I think in LA, I know it's a pretty big chain um, adult uh, toy store and intimate uh, toy store. I know that we have a couple out here in LA actually. So yeah, Pure Romance is an in-home party planning company for women, bath and beauty products, relationship enhancement items, and wellness products. And that was really my entry point into sexual health, where I had the opportunity to learn so much more and had access to that education. And then I went to PA school as a physician assistant. I learned about women's health and always was intrigued with working with women in particular. 
romance. So through my pure romance business, I was able to create a network of women that had followed me through my journey. And after PA school, I started doing a weekly live with them and telling them about different things with their body, things that most of them had never heard of, pelvic organ prolapse, endometriosis, PCOS, arousal, sexual arousal response cycle. Why are you not wanting to have sex? And the women loved it. Right time, right place. I ended up starting a podcast during COVID, Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators, so that more women had access to that information to be aware of their own bodies, also normalize the stuff that happens to us and for women to feel less alone. And then through that, like once I started doing that, I realized that women were falling in my DMs. They had more questions. They wanted more. And at the same time, I'm like, I have the answers. I have the ability to help support these women on their own journey. And so that's when I kind of got into more of the intimacy coaching side and working on with women more on a one-on-one group level to grow and develop their own sexual confidence. I love it. I love it because we need we need more of that, to be honest. I mean, for years, you know, women have, you know, there are women that have that mentality that it's the man's job or their partner's job to get them off. That masturbation is not the feminist thing to do. And I'm like, wait, hold up. Like we give birth out of this thing. And you mean to tell me I cannot thank it I cannot gracefully like thank it every day to be like, thank you for being able to give life if I wanted to give life. Thank you for regulating my period every day. I cannot thank myself for the strong, powerful thing that makes me a woman or a vulva owner, you know, for our queer folks out there or non-binary folks. Because I know a lot of non-binary and queer folks who don't hate their vaginas. You know, but society makes it seem like, okay, well, if you don't identify as a female and you have boobs and a vagina, then your vagina is nothing to you. And I'm like, that's not the case. That's not the case. And we need to get rid of that ill poisoned minded thinking that the vagina and saying the word vagina is so wrong. I hate that. Call call the pussy the vagina. I call it my fine china, call it for what it is, but reclaim it, own it, love it, respect it. Listen to people like yourself, Jordan, myself and others who, you know, help normalize, you know, talking about their vagina. You're going to hear the vagina word all night. I'm, I'm just going to say that right now. Okay. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable because I'm saying pussy, vagina, punani, puss, puss. <laughs> I can go on for days. Like I want people to start being more V friendly. Call for what it is. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point when you were talking about masturbation and that if we don't know our own bodies, how do we expect our partner to ever please us? Absolutely. You know, I, I get it when people have, you know, the sex blocks, um, one person who I've had on the show before, and I'm sure you're probably familiar with her as well, um, Rukaya. Um, I am Rukaya on Instagram. She has recently been speaking out of how her libido is very low right now and has been asking people, you know, hey, are you feeling the same blocks? And I wanted, you know, talk about that because I've been hearing that a lot lately, especially again, we're coming 
we're not out of this pandemic. I'm going to say that we are, but we're not. Okay. Delta variant is here. It's another puss cock block just around the corner, unfortunately. And I feel like, you know, people are having a little bit of a mental block when it comes to turning themselves on and, you know, turning on that sexual switch with their partners. Can you maybe give us some light of what could be the reason why, you know, people out there, especially, you know, for the vagina owners, for the vulva owners. Actually, let me let me break this down, though. Vulva and vagina, two different things. Let's they make that very so clear. Glad. Let's make that yes. very clear. So vulva encompasses and protects your external genitalia, including the mound. Okay. The clitoris, the labia and opening of the vagina, as well as your urethra and urinary opening. Um, vagina is what connects the vulva to the cervix and ultimately to the uterus. It is the canal that allows us for menstruation and childbirth. So let's make that very clear. Yes, people call it vulva owners, vagina owners. Why do you think there's sometimes that difference when we hear it in that context? Because to me, I'm like, yes, it's it, it is connected. But why do you think people rather say vulva owner than vagina owner per se? Because I've been seeing that lately as a trend. And maybe I don't know if you know or can shed some light on that. But I've always been curious as to why, you know, people kind of switch it up. I don't have a specific answer, but I think one of the really big things that when it comes to knowing what to call our vagina and our vulva is that in school, we're always taught it's a vagina. And the reality is that it's not, it's a vulva. And I think that that's probably where the clarification is coming in is that it is a vulva. We are generally referencing our vulva not our vagina. And I think that that's probably more encompassing term mm -hmm. to use a vulva owner rather than a vagina owner. Because of pronouns, I'm guessing, and whatnot, or just, yeah. okay. I always wonder- That, that would be my thought. Okay, because that's what I thought too, because I'm just like, okay, I know that now we are trying to be progressively thinking, which I'm like, okay, it always should have been that way sexuality and pronouns and term terminology has been around for years centuries even it's just the matter of now because with the power of social media and you know foundations like hrc you know being formed and being able to hold spaces and talking about it more now we're starting to see an uprise of using different pronouns and what to call our body names but i'm glad that we're going to get that clarification out now I didn't know this either, but <laughs> I always look whenever I talk about it and I'm like, oh, my God, the types of vaginas. It always cracks yes. me up. It cracks me up because, you know, for the longest, I was always conscious, self-conscious of my own vagina. And I know I don't stand alone. I, I have a hidden clip. I was so like. I was so eek about the fact that I have a hidden clit. I thought my vagina for the longest time was not normal. Because let's face it, when we're watching porn, we see it shaved. You know, it's easy. No one's pulling back layers. It's just there. You know, or we, we look at the Barbie doll, as some say certain vaginas. It's the Barbie doll, you know, V. It's the perfect V. You can literally see where the V line is. You can see where it's not a you know, a puffy pussy. And we are taught, you know, 
moving forward, you know, hairy vaginas are out. If it's too puffy, if she has too big of a fupa, like, I want to fuck with her. Like, what? It's vagina. It's vagina. (laughs) So vulvas are so different. They come in all kinds of different colors, different shapes. For some women, their labia majora are larger than their labia minora. For others, their labia minora is larger than their labia majora. Um, There's so many different shapes and styles that they come in and they're all uniquely beautiful and perfect on their own. And that is, you know, we don't sit here and talk about penises. Penises are all different lengths and shapes and sizes, yet we think that that's okay and normal. And then when it comes to the female anatomy, we're like, oh, only this type is okay. Quote. Right. Okay. I I hate how, unfortunately, men, dicks out there, you know, they got to make fun of a woman who's got a little meat down there. Oh, if it hangs, she's been fucked too many times. Can we please put that shit to rest? Can we please? Because I know virgins that have looser lips than I do. You know, I know that as we get older, it tends to sag if I'm not correct. You know, it can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes, we've had a perfect sitting vagina, just like our tits. Our tits were perfectly sitting up at a certain point and then age happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be stepping on my titty by the time I'm 70. (laughs) Well, and with like your labia, if you have a child or with pregnancy, childbirth, the swelling can change. The Mm -hmm. labia can change and it varies. It varies. I got to ask this because around my family right now, I just saw my family in like half a full um, last Sunday. We were all distance, of course, and everything. But like every I'm the literally the only one out of my generation in the like 20s to 30s category of cousins. Everybody's got a baby. Okay, there was even the joke like, oh, Saf, you can't be in the family photo because you don't have a child. I was like, that's okay. I'll just have another and I'll steal your baby. But like, I I, like, honestly, I kid you not. My cousins have scared me out of childbirth. I don't even fucking want a kid. Like as much as I'm like, oh, I've had dreams about having a baby. I am so legit scared from all the reasons like I don't want my vagina to be ruined oh no I don't want a fucking c-section maybe I'll go for the you know surrogate side but at the same time I'm like I don't want this poor woman to be in the same shithole you know so it's like (laughs) okay just the vagina I I just please you are the expert today I need to know will my vagina if I decide to pop out a baby I'm scared, one, about the tearing. Two, I love my pussy. How much is it going to change after I drop birth? Because these babies nowadays, I don't know what we feed these big babies, but the head, first of all, it's like you got a big ass head and a little ass body. No, what the fuck? What is wrong? I'm not saying what's wrong with kids, but like, Look at any newborn baby. It's all head. All these babies, this generation popping out, especially after COVID, it's all head and no body. And I'm like, I look at the woman and I'm like, how, how, how is your vagina? Not how are you? How is your fucking vagina? (laughs) 
Yes. Well, in childbirth can change things. However, your body goes through changes to allow for that expansion of the vaginal canal, of the cervix, like everything, your pelvic floor widens, everything changes to allow for that. And so it might have some changes. Something that I learned about recently is doing pelvic floor physical therapy prior to childbirth at about 34 weeks, starting to do like the stretching technique to help reduce your tearing. Obviously that's not foolproof, but can make a difference. So there's a lot of things out there to help with that, but I'm in the same boat as you. I read a um, birth report the other day, like a discharge report of a baby. And it was like, mom had a four centimeter tear, used 15 stitches. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm making up the number. I'm not positive. Y'all, my like, eyes. This is why. <laughs> right? I'm like, this is not the way. Okay, listen, let me quote Mandalorian. This no, is not you. the way. No, thank you. I said, you know, for the longest time, I'm like, until science gives me like a smartwatch and says the baby is ready. And I just pop that motherfucker out. Okay, just press the eject button. There's no fucking way. I, I no an easy bake. Yeah, an easy, easy bake, bake baby. Oven. Yes, easy bake baby. Let's make that a hashtag. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh my god, because you know what? It's like already. I got I got big dicks in my relationships. The two penises that I can stand in this world to come across my vagina, it's far than enough. So much that my other partner my girlfriend's uh boyfriend this man's got a great big dick and I was you know supposed to see him the next day for his birthday surprise him with a threesome but work got in the way but at the same time my vagina was like bitch we needed that break my vagina was broken <laughs> and I'm, I'm I ask her every day I'm like how you get this man more than I do how how do you deal with this because if I can barely take big dick on a consistent basis no there's no way a child like that shit hurts for yep. days and then you're telling it's me I got a tear I want to tear I might shit myself like no no it's just oh oh but let's get back to the yeah. sexiness. Let's debunk. Let's debunk a couple things. I'm going to throw out some myths that we all have heard of. All right. One, the number of sexual partners, the vagina will never grow back or the vagina is so loose. Yeah, that is a lie. Um, you cannot tell how many partners your uh, a vagina owner has had based on how it feels or looks does not make a difference. Yeah, because we expand. The vagina is elastic. Yep. We've yep. all heard this. And it's not a myth. It is the truth. It expands. You know, when we're wet, yep. we're, we're aroused. Now, would you say that arousal and wetness is a, a little bit the same, the difference? Because we've all heard different things. So, you know, I know that there are times when I will be aroused, but I'm not fully wet. I know that there are times when I am mostly wet, but not aroused. And I've been noticing that as I've gotten older, especially in the morning. Oh, my God, my poor partner. I'll have to get up in the middle of the morning as I'm trying to just relax and cuddle. And not only do I have to pee, but also I'm just like, holy fuck, I'm so wet. But it's annoying wet. What 
what is that? Because when I was younger in my 20s, it was not like that. This has just recently started to develop where I am waking up flooding the gates, but I am no, I'm not in a sexual mood. I mean, yes, later on, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, we're ready. Honey, it's, it, you know, just put it on in, stick it in there, give me some breakfast. But at the same time, I'm like, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> like, What kind of dreams are you having? That's what I want to know. Girl, I swear to God, sometimes I'll be dreaming about some horrific shit. But then again, for the earbuds that really know me, I, t- I get turned on by blood and gore. But I dream like some fucked up shit all the time. Weird fucking dreams. You know, sometimes it just depends upon, okay, how much weed did I take to go to bed, you know, the (laughs) night before? How much melatonin did I have? How much to drink did I have? But no, it's like literally lately what's going on with my vagina is like just the wetness. The wetness is just killing me. Yeah, and it's really normal to see a difference in arousal or like the wetness versus desire and the wanting to have sex. And it changes throughout a lifetime. So sometimes they're going to be lined up. You're going to desire sex and you're going to have the arousal fluid and be wet. Sometimes you'll be wet, but not have the desire. Sometimes you'll have the desire and not have the arousal fluid. And that's actually called arousal non-concordance. If you read the book, Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski, it talks all about that. But it's very common to see those differences. Now, in that instance, you know, when someone's like, okay, I'm wet, but I'm not aroused. And maybe their partner is aroused, ready to go. They assume again, because there are partners out there, men, women, however you identify. You know, there are people that just think, well, okay, the sign to know that my my partner's turned on, especially those with vaginas, is, okay, wetness. They're aroused instantly. So what do you do in those cases, you know, especially for the partners that are scared to speak out and be like, I, I know I'm wet, but am I, you know, am I ready to go? What would you say in that type of instance? I think it's really important to be talking to your partner about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And there is a huge misconception that being wet means that you want to have sex. And that is not the case. And you really need to ask your partner for permission to have sex. Or, you know, if you are the person that's experiencing that, speaking out and saying, hey, you know, yes, I'm wet, but I'm not interested in sex right now. Or I would really like it if you did this before we did this. And having those conversations is really the key part to knowing where your partner is through the process. Absolutely. I like that. Here's another myth. All vagina tastes like dirty coins. I have never heard that one. So I believe there is a TikTok going around right now. Um, I'm not big on the TikToks at all. I've seen it just posted on a couple sex blogs that a guy was just like, what does pussy taste like? A bag of nickels. And I'm like, and I taste myself. I'm like, I don't taste nickels. I I don't taste nickels. Sometimes I don't taste anything. And to furthermore problematic rapper who's been canceled from several mm-hmm. festivals came out the baby was talking about women saying he doesn't want to fuck with a woman who doesn't taste like water down there so can we let let's put some myths let's talk about behind it. yeah let's talk about the taste let's put yes. some tasting myths behind itself now personally i will say if i eat a certain food 
there's some chances that I will smell like that food down there, you know, after mm-hmm. and during sex. So I try to, if I know I'm having sex during a date, I try to avoid eating certain foods leading up to the date or on the date. We just won't go to boiling crab, you know, <laughs> and and have the secretion of the buttery garlic from the pussy later on, because mm. that has definitely happened. So let's talk about the myths of taste. What should a yes. vagina taste like? Because I feel like no vagina personally tastes tastes the same. Um, I've heard people say the myth of it tastes like chicken cutlet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> exactly. Well, Water we've heard, nickels, blood. Yes, let's let's talk about the myths of taste. Yeah, so discharge all is going to taste a little bit different. And it's normal to have a little bit of a taste. It's also normal for it to have no taste. And it really just depends kind of what's going on. So the normal vaginal pH is 4.5, which is slightly acidic. And that, I think, can affect what's going on as well. But when it comes to like odor as well, Sometimes it's going to be odorless. Sometimes it's going to have a slight odor and anywhere in between is normal. And really paying attention to how your body normally is, is important so that you know when something is off. Because that's really the only way to know because we're all different. We all have a unique smell, taste, color, all of it. Absolutely. Now, what do you when people, you know, ask me about this all the time because they're like, well, what is considered normal discharge versus I need to go to the doctor discharge? Because some people have told me I've seen gray. I've experienced a chick who had gray discharge and I had to politely tell her like, hey, you might want to get this checked out. I'm not sure what's going on. There was an odor. It was pretty bad. It was gray. And I mean, it was like, you know, I know that sometimes if it's mixed with white and it's more white than gray, it's usually fine. But this was clear gray, like a cloud almost like I'm trying to think what can be compared on this gray color. Just very like milk. It was not milky. It was clearly gray, like if you had hair dye that was gray, mix it up and put it in water. That's what it was. Very murky. Like. Very murky. Yeah. And this is a common question that I see and that a lot of women don't know what their normal body is like to know when it's abnormal. So that's why it is important to pay attention to your discharge. Look at it. It varies through the month through with your cycle and different hormones as well. So you'll notice when you're ovulating, it's going to be a little bit thinner and stringier versus um, before your period or before ovulation and after ovulation, things like that. But things to look for, if it has a foul odor or a strong odor, a fishy odor in particular, that's something that you should go see the doctor for. If it's a different color, so normal is usually going to be like clear to whitish, maybe a little yellow appearing as well. But if it changes to cottage cheese-like, if it changes to gray, if it is now all of a sudden really thin and it used to be a different thickness, that could be something that would warrant going to the doctor. If it's green, if it's yellow, 
those are all good indicators that you should probably go see a doctor just to get it checked out and see if there's anything going on. It could be bacterial vaginosis, which is not an STI. It could be a yeast infection. It could be trichomonas. It could be gonorrhea, chlamydia, marcoplasm. Shoot, it could be HPV, um, not HPV, sorry, HSV or herpes because some women will notice a change in their discharge when they're having an outbreak or prior to having an outbreak. I'm glad- It could be- I'm glad you actually brought that up because I was diagnosed with HSV. Fucked up thing. I was led to believe I had HSV too. Now people, when they think about HSV1 and HSV2, they think that one is strictly just oral. It is not the case. I have HSV1, but it's not oral. It is genital. Genital. And yep. yet I was led to believe up until this year I had HSV too until I took a retest to make sure my antibodies were fine so that I can be um, freely a little bit more free with oral sex um, and for the com- the partners who are comfortable without barrier. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was still low in count, which you, everybody should do. Um, those who are diagnosed and have never gotten an antibody test, you should always get an antibody test, um, especially the more uh, sexually active you are in your herpes journey. Um, Not to cut you off on that, because I did notice, um, one, I got really sick, and then I noticed that there was a difference to my discharge, when I, especially I had my second outbreak right during the break of COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, like you said, it was a little bit, not as uh, the white usual clearness I was used to. It did almost have like an odor, but it was a lot more yellow than usual. It was almost like I peed with the discharge and it was a little bit alarming. I said, okay, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And immediately that's Uh, what they told me. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. You know, I have HSV too as well. Got diagnosed during COVID kind of started a lot of my personal journey with intimacy too, but that was what I experienced as well is that I had this discharge where it was like, like a water faucet Mm -hmm. and I had never had anything like that. So instantly as a provider, I'm like, okay, sounds like BV, let's treat BV. Didn't make a difference. And then eventually six months later, I have my first outbreak, but that is exactly what happened for me too. And it's, it's interesting because that's not what we're taught and cold sores are herpes. Yes. People don't realize that if you have oral lesions during oral sex, you can pass that to the genitals. And even if you're not having an active outbreak, it is possible. And that's why it's important to share that information with your partners and get tested. And it's not on the standard STD or STI panel. No. And that's the thing too, that I have to reiterate to people over and over again. I'm like, chances are you might have herpes and been having herpes. It doesn't matter that you had a clean bill of health. Okay. And I mean, clean bill of health. I'm not saying that your vagina or your body parts are clean because if anything, the proper term is negative. But if you went in, had a negative test, a clean bill of health, you need to make sure to ask them, Hey, can I get tested for HSV1, HSV2? And like I said, if you do have it active, if you already know about your diagnosis, get an antibody test, just get it every few months, especially if you are going back in the world and you are, you know, becoming 
becoming more active. And especially for women, because we are that internal organ and we get things faster than men, but they're not detectable as quickly. We got to keep checking up more frequently. Everybody should get tested frequently, but we have to keep up with our, our vaginas more because of the fact that a lot of it just lingers and we don't know right off the bat. So you have to frequently, you know, visit. Yeah. And most STIs are going to be asymptomatic. So unless you're getting tested, you're not going to know. The standard panel when you ask your provider to test you is going to be for gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, and HIV. However, that doesn't include trichomonas. That doesn't include HSV 1 and 2. The HPV is done with your pap smears sometimes, not always. And so... There's so many if, ands, or buts to all of this that you really have to ask and advocate for what you want. And that is honestly one of my huge missions is helping women in particular advocate for their health and speak up when something isn't right or when something is abnormal and they're not getting the answers that they want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, going back to taste, um, Again, some people say, I taste like water. I taste like this. I taste like that. When would you say the taste should be alarming to a partner or to themselves? I personally think that everybody should taste themselves before they serve it to others, to be honest. I really like it's a great idea. You know what I mean? It's like you wouldn't serve dinner without tasting the recipe yourself first. Absolutely not. So if you are trying to, you know, get the box eaten. You better taste that box before you let me taste it. Yeah, like sample, sample the product. Shit. This is not like, you know, getting high off your supply. But hey, I love the taste of me. I'm like, if I could, I would chop off my vagina for a weekend, trade it with the dick. And I want to see the ins and outs of my own vagina the way that other people see it. But I can do that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is sample and if it's not right, then hey, we'll just have sex this weekend. That's it. Everything else off the table because I might be going some through some things. But what are what are your tips and tricks? You know, some women like myself, I like to enhance my taste by just changing up my diet a little bit. Sometimes I make a certain smoothie. I notice that if I drink and eat certain things prior to sex, you know, a couple of days before the day of, it does change it a bit. You know, give it a sexual smoothie, if you will. So for the women out there or vulva owners out there, vagina owners out there, um, you know, who want to spice it up and, you know, they want to get more comfortable with their partners and, and allowing the taste, because I know that there's, partners out there that don't like it when someone goes down on them and immediately kisses them i like it i will let me clean that face up yes you know what i mean so tips tricks so i would say and i haven't done a whole lot of research on this but i would say taste it regularly taste it often and regularly so that you know what is normal for you And that way you're able to identify when something just doesn't taste right or it seems a little bit off. The other thing is, is around your menstrual cycle, when you are bleeding, it's probably going to taste a little bit different because you are passing menstrual fluid blood through the vaginal canal. So you're probably going to notice a little bit of a difference around there. It might be a little bit more irony, kind of like period sex. It smells a little irony. Yep, it is what it is. So... 
I would just encourage tasting it often and regularly so that you know what's normal for you because we are all different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oof, I'm loving all this. I'm loving all that. Um, let's talk masturbation. Ooh. Getting, you know, we we acquainted with the vagina. Um, <laughs> I've always loved to masturbate. Um, it might sound weird to folks. I, I used to masturbate with some weird shit back in the day. Um, I had a Power Rangers doll, and when I figured out what my clitoris was, I would let her to stay down there. I didn't know what I was doing, but it felt really well. Yep. There was a detachable bedpost. I would stick a condom on and stick the bedpost up there. But for somebody out there who, you know, they say, I love the way my partner fucks me, but I don't know how to get down there. What would you suggest to them? Because I feel like sometimes when I recommend certain toys to people, you know, there's people who don't like vibration. I love vibration on my clit. I love I love penetration, but I also like arousal around my my vulva, my vulva and my mm-hmm. labia. You know, I love my clit stimulated, but there's to a point where I will have clit burnout where you know it becomes a little too sensitive i love fingers you know but sometimes the fingers can be too much because especially if i'm going down to town you know going down to myself for a couple hours and then the next day i have a partner that just wants to and i'm like no no don't ooh, nah too sensitive so what are some tips tricks Maybe some ideas for somebody who's not very well acquainted, but wants to get to know, you know, their vagina a little bit better. What would you suggest to them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is realizing that 80% of women need clitoral stimulation in order to achieve orgasm. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that people think that they're not, quote, normal if they don't orgasm from penetration alone. And so if you're looking at exploring with a toy, I would maybe go with something that you know brings you pleasure. So if you like penetration and that is how you like what your partner does, get something like that. If you like something, you like the clitoral stimulation, get that. If you want something that does both, get something like that. Get a dual action toy. And really experimenting with what's out there to learn yourself is the key. Absolutely. I mean, personally for me, I do love uh, the womanizer. Some people are like, oh, that's so weak. And I'm like, first of all, it's not weak. I mean, yes. And then someone even's like, you need to upgrade from your Hitachi. I'm like, first and foremost, Hitachi's been around for years for a fucking reason. You know, yes, everybody's been getting into this rose that you get off of Amazon. That thing is cheap as shit. I've seen it. I wasn't impressed with it. I was not impressed with this rose toy that everybody is coming out of quarantine and being like, oh my God, it's all good. And I'm like, there are better toys out there. The women, the womanizer satisfier too. I love it compared to the womanizer one because the womanizer one, it just fits in the palm. It kind of cups and it's great, but you can't really do anything with it. Like you want to move around and you lose the momentum. The satisfier two has a little handle where you know you can latch on with the clit sucking and you can kind of maneuver and if you want to stick a dildo you know you can do that at the same time and get uh-huh. that dual pulsation action going on and then of course you know with my Hitachi it's like sometimes I want to put the womanizer on my clit 
and you know the Hitachi right on the cups of my lips in vaginal opening because I mm-hmm. like that vibration that it gives to the lips to the um, vaginal opening for me that gives me instant wetness but that's not the same for everybody yes the womanizer is amazing. I have had ladies tell me that they have cried after orgasm from using a womanizer. If you haven't tried it, it's not for everybody. I know that yeah. some women don't like it, but the women that like it love it Absolutely. from what I've heard. Yeah. Any, I always suggested to women or, you know, anybody out there who just loves their vagina, you know, however you identify, I always say, if you love clitoral play, get a clit sucking toy and I always suggest the womanizer so I'm like for me that's personally it's easy to clean it's waterproof lasts for hours I mean I can go with my womanizer one I can last for about one to two hours with that the womanizer three about three hours I can get a max out of it and they're both just very light and portable yeah I can stick it in my purse go to the movies and nobody would fucking know have you tried um you should you should have you tried the enjoy i i'm trying to remember if i have the enjoy i know what it wand yes it has like a hoop loop Mm -hmm. that you can hold on to it i had one and i broke one i'm infamous for breaking my toys i break a lot of toys the hitachi i have is the longest one i've had but i've had it for eight um i've had about seven or eight and this one has lasted me five six years now um, okay. Yes, but I was always breaking the head of my toys. And I think with the um, the Enjoy, I think I just went a little bit too hard to the point where I just burnt out the toy in general. Like it doesn't even charge anymore. So sometimes I just use it as, you know, just I like to insert it. Of course, it doesn't vibrate, but it's great because, you know, you can hold on to the loop or have my partner hold on to it and fuck me like a dildo. I like it. Like yeah. That. And it's got that great G spot stimulation. So for people who are interested in exploring their G spot, a enjoy is a really great tool for that. Speaking of G spot, another myth. Yes. You know, everybody says, well, everybody has a G, you know, all women, all vulva vagina owners have a G spot. So you must be a squirter. Can you hit the G spot and not necessarily squirt? There's been this yes. ongoing debate you know did I hit the G spot well she's not they're not squirting so what makes the difference between the squirter and people just simply getting off on their G spot yeah so the G spot is the most likely way for somebody to have an ejaculate a, a, a vulva owner to have an ejaculate however learning to ejaculate is not necessarily something that comes natural or easy for all. And it's a lot of relaxing and releasing and letting go that has to happen in order for an ejaculation to occur. And that being said, even if they do all of that, that doesn't mean that they're going to have an ejaculate either. So, and when it comes to squirting and female ejaculation, it could be a little pea-sized amount. It could be a drop. It could be a gallon. It could be anywhere in between. So it's really hard to say, like, maybe you're somebody that just has a little bit. I was going to say, and you what, are ejaculating. What does determine? Because I know me, I'm a squirter, um, but it also depends upon how the partner is doing it. I can make myself squirt, but I prefer others to do it. 
because sometimes I'll hit my G spot, but there's no wetness involved. It's just more so like I have full on just tremors. I'm endlessly shaking, you know, body loses control the whole night. I can't touch myself for like 20 minutes and I know I'm good. Like I hit it. But, you know, for people that are like so determined to get that G spot, to get that that spritz. And then they're like, but you didn't swirt. So you didn't come. I'm like, but I did come because the rest of my body is, you know, is receptive to it. It's responding, just not in the way that you and society and porn made you think that way. Yes. And I think that there's a lot of places that that shows up in that the society expectation. Squirting doesn't have to happen to have an orgasm. Also, when it comes to pleasure, you can have a very pleasurable, amazing experience and not orgasm. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a good time. It's it's this societal expectation that you must ejaculate, you must orgasm. If you don't, quote, what's what's wrong why didn't you and that's not true that's not the case there is so many things that go into it and things that affect especially women you know stress hormones medication literally anything under the sun how much you slept last night can affect all of that are you hydrated would you say that certain birth controls because i've seen this too and maybe this is a myth too but i have heard that certain birth controls for instance can cause an effect on vaginal response during sex so whether or not they will feel a thorough or um orgasm or whether they will be aroused or the wetness factor because we've also heard you know i smoke weed and people are like oh well your pussy must be dry then and i'm like actually it's not it's not the case i think maybe if i smoked like willie nelson or wiz khalifa or snoop amount yeah maybe my pussy will be a little bit dry but i choose not to get that fucking eye where i don't want to have sex i had high sex last night and god damn that shit was amazing like floodgates got me three runs in I was surprised my it's rare that my sir and I can go for three rounds and I was surprised that he came twice usually if we go for two rounds he'll come once and then he'll just have sex with me you know the second time and let me just orgasm but to get two nuts and multiple orgasms and three good runs honey thinking about it I'm just like oh I can't wait for tonight what you got for me tonight (laughs) But, I love it. <laughs> but you know, it's this like, I feel like there is that misconception that, you know, every time you have sex, you know, a woman has to orgasm or every time a woman has sex, she has to ejaculate. So going back, I know we went on a little tangent just now, but that expectation that. Yeah. And with, with birth control, it's like you were watching my Instagram stories today. I have been playing with my own birth control. I've been on birth control about 15 years and I never knew what the potential was for me until I stopped my birth control. And I think a lot of women are honestly in the same boat and a lot of people are kind of starting to explore this more natural approach to family planning and monitoring their cycles rather than using birth control. But birth control can affect your libido or your sex drive. It can affect how much 
wetness or natural secretions you produce, it can affect so many things. And the reason is it's a hormone. And we are suppressing our own natural hormones by taking this. And so you are going to have some effect on all of that. Not everybody experiences that. Everybody's body is different and responds differently. For me personally, I have noticed that when I'm on birth control, it's really hard for me to orgasm with a partner. When I stop my birth control, I can orgasm with a partner. Was it just with a partner or was it even with yourself too? When it's myself, it's a lot easier all the time. But with a partner in particular, like I could consistently orgasm with a new partner when I'm not on birth control. But when I'm on it, it's it's not going to happen. Right. Right. And I definitely feel that way. Like, I feel like now as I've gotten older and I know that, you know, once you get past, I think it's like your late 30s, they say birth control becomes a little like you got to start getting off of it. And I keep going back and forth if I want to get off the hormones or not. I have a very low dose as it is right now. Um, and I I know that I've noticed a difference when I have gone without it um, just because at the time, you know, medical I didn't have, you know, proper medical insurance and, you know, they tried to give me something that was similar to the birth control I was on because they didn't have the one I was on. And that really fucked me up. Like I had no libido when they gave me their generic type and I don't suggest it. And unfortunately, I was angry because it was through Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, this is not what I'm used to. I don't like this. And then when I got back with my Kaiser and got back on my regular, I noticed a significant difference because I was never, I would get really sick. My libido was gone. It was harder for me to achieve an orgasm, not just with myself, but with my partners. And it almost became to the point where it was too painful to have sex. Where I was like, this is not me because I'm a very sexual person. Like, I'm very sexual. I have to have sex, selfishly or not, at least once a day. I have to. And I don't mm-hmm. care if it's with me or the partner. I my I I need to have some sexual activity happening. Sorry y'all. That's the expectation. Ugh. I know that can be toxic. But that's just how I am. We all have needs. It doesn't make me a bad person. It's just everybody has a certain need. They do. And I'm I'm with you. I'm the same everyday type of girl. Yeah, it's Gotta, just we got to get it out of the mindset that a, a female or any being, you know, that has to have sex once a day. We need to get the mind out that sex a, once a day is just with another person. But it's like, right. you notice the difference when you masturbate, when you don't masturbate. If you forget to masturbate one day and it's like, fuck, my whole day is thrown off because I didn't love myself. I didn't give myself my daily. If some people need coffee. I need a I need a good clip talking. Yep. <laughs> that's that's so true. I used to work a job and um one of my coworkers were like, clearly you need to masturbate a little bit more because you're a little crabby today. Listen, and I would sell it right back to them like, listen, get the fuck out of my head. What are you doing in my bedroom? How did you know? 
<laughs> but some, we were close. We're very close. I love it. I love it. But yeah, I mean, and don't go around insulting people like, oh, you just got to get fucked because I will take it literally. Somebody might take it offensively. Like, let's be real. It's this okay. Yeah. But the world would be a better place if we all just fucked one way or another. We'd be smoke a joint and have an orgasm. That's really what we need to take advantage of. I think that we deprive ourselves of the pleasures of our own body, especially. Yeah. Sex, a, yeah. sex care is self-care. Oh, it absolutely is. Well, Jordan, as we wrap up, I want people to stay in touch with you. Do you have anything coming up? Where can they get in touch with you? The whole shebang. Yes. So right now I am currently having a group program that starts in the next couple of weeks called Manifest Your Man. It is a six week program to reclaiming your confidence in and out of the bedroom. So we are discovering your desires, pleasure, learning more about your body and learning how to communicate all of that. So to find more information about that, you can go to manifest.jordandanelle.com. Perfect. I'm going to put those links, of course, earbuds in the episode description of this uh episode wow i did not want to repeat the word episode but yes i'm definitely going to put that down so people can really get in touch i think you dropped a lot of gems i feel personally i could talk to you for hours as like many of my guests and i definitely would like to bring you back on maybe in october we get down and dirty about breast cancer awareness because it's coming more prom you know it's it's becoming more prominent in TV shows now I've been noticing that and I'm like thank you it's about time we start normalizing these conversations of examining our breasts during sex so I might have to bring mm -hmm. you back for that yes and the effects of cancer on intimacy and being a thriver yes mm -hmm. yes please all those good things so again Jordan where can they get in touch with you on Instagram you can follow me at Jordan Donnell J-O-R-D-A-N D-N-E-L-L-E and that's on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you use. Perfect. And earbuds. Oh man. The fun keeps on giving. This month is going to be great. Um, I will say personally though, come September, I am taking a month off because your girl needs a longer break. Um, we all need some self-care breaks and I indeed have been going too hard. I need to take a break myself. But next week, we are going to have a king. His name is Armand King. He's my brother from San Diego and he is an activist. We're going to have a good chat next week with him. And then coming up after that Sunday, um, we got Marissa Daddy, the Zaddy from Canada coming on and it's going to be great. So we have a good lineup coming up, but I want you guys to always remember you can get in touch with me at Ms. Radio Sapphire. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E. Of course, follow Sapphire's earplay at S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E-S-E-A-R-P-L-A-Y. And of course, Twitter at Ms. Radio Sapphire. Till then, in next week, safe sex is the best hot sex. Good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Now remember, Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram, Twitter. For more earplay fun, go to iTunes, all podcasting platforms. <laughs>